In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. You may or may not have noticed that I asked to have some verses from last week's gospel reading added to this week's gospel reading. We're in page eight of the Pew Bible. I, I wanted us to think this weekend about these striking words at the beginning of this paragraph. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. What? Just when you think you've got Jesus figured out. I mean, peace on earth, goodwill toward men, right? And in, and in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus highlights peaceability as a prime feature of the life of his father's family. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. In that same vein, the Apostle Paul, who many think of as having a bit of a cantankerous streak in him, says, let us then pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. And Paul again, God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. Isn't it strange, maybe a little jarring to read of Jesus saying, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. Not peace, but a sword. What gives? And you don't have to look far to find points of deep contention in our world, do you? Some are innocent, even fun. Like, who's your favorite team? We better not stay there very long. Uh, but some are serious and naughty, threatening to rip our social fabric. As we prepare to celebrate the 4th of July, the 247th birthday of this republic, as we prepare, as we mark even this weekend, the 160th anniversary of the monumental struggle that took place at Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And all this in the wake of last month's Juneteenth celebration, the 158th celebration of the news that slavery is no longer tolerable in this part of our life. We're quite aware that the road to freedom for all its citizens, not citizens, not to mention those who want to be its citizens, it's long and winding and ridden with potholes. And there were and are different ways to read the roadmap to that goal and destination. Some read the autonomy of each, little motorcycles zipping around. Some read the mutual responsibility of all. We all need to get on the bus and get there together. Where do we draw the line? And in the name of Jesus say, no, not peace, but a sword. Well, in the context of Matthew 10, Jesus seems to me to have three things in view. One, you are the only you there is. Two, the cross is where we all come together. And three, your cross is his cross and our cross. So first, you know, you are the only you there is. And that's what is stressed in today's reading where father against, where, where different family members get pitted against one another 
because their number one allegiance is to God himself. Verse 35 of Matthew 10, I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother, etc., etc., etc. Who we are, what we're going to believe, what our loyalties are going to be, and how we are to live, each of us, each of us has the responsibility to choose to live for God regardless of anyone else's expectations. Each of us, in the Bible's view, each of us is more than the status into which we were born. Each of us is more than our life station. Each of us is a precious bearer of the image of God, steward of a unique self under God. I mean, Think about the little windows into this reality from our readings today. The psalmist in Psalm 13 holds on to God's goodness, even while everything around him says, let go. The psalmist holds on to God's goodness, even while pleading, Lord, how long do I have to put up with? How long will you put up with the mess that I'm in? Two weeks ago's reading, Sarah discovers that she's more than her 99 years, more than her ceasing to be after the way of women. What, I'm going to be a mom at this age? No way. Then on the far side of her laugh, well, okay. Hagar from last week discovers that she's more than an outcast victim of manipulation and envy. Okay, they used me and they rejected me, but you say a great nation will come of this? All right, let's see. Today's reading, very sobering reading. Abraham discovers that he can be called to believe God and obey God even when God doesn't seem to be making any sense. Okay, so you promised and given life, now you call for death? How will you bring life out of death? But okay. Each of us is wired a certain way. Each of us has a story that leads us to a certain place where we have certain expectations. Each of us has a certain genetic makeup, a particular set of shaping forces. We do live a certain story. We got ex-parents, not Y-parents. We have siblings, nationality, neighborhood, a sense of who my people are and what it is to be okay with them and them okay with me. We may be raised by yellow dog Democrats or blue blood Republicans, hair on fire fundamentalists or above it all progressives. But Jesus calls us, every one of us at some point in our lives to be willing to separate ourselves from others' expectations and embrace our own loyalty and a unique identity in him. Because for, before anything else, I belong body, mind, soul, and spirit, all of me, to him. And the fact of the matter is, accepting that responsibility can leave us on the outside looking in except two, the cross is where we all come together.
the line of demarcation, the only one that really counts is the cross of Jesus Christ. Matthew 8, Matthew chapter 10, verse 38. Whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. I've mentioned this fact before, but it's worth repeating. 20th century theologian Reinhold Niebuhr maintains that there is only one dividing line within humanity that is worth talking about. Some of us believe we need a redeemer, and some don't. When we realize that we, individually, every one of us, and societally and globally, everyone around the world, and all the culture that we create, when we realize that we are broken and in need of repair, and that that repair has come in Jesus Christ, we find ourselves irreversibly, resolutely, and unapologetically on that side of the line. There are no perfect people. Yeah, that includes you. I know it includes me. And there are no irrevocably broken people either. Yeah, that includes so-and-so. We're all victims and perpetrators alike. Sorry. But that's really good news. For as the saying goes, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And we find we must take up his cross. And so we follow him, even though we realize that we may therefore find ourselves on the opposite side of a chasm, separating us from people otherwise closest to us. Because in the light of the cross of Christ, we find ourselves freshly evaluating everything from how you express yourself in worship to how justice is furthered and how humans may flourish in a fallen world. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer famously said, when Jesus calls a man, he bids him come and die. Three years ago, I told you about a student of the Institute of Worship Studies. I, I just was teaching for the last two weeks up in Jacksonville. Three years ago, I told you about a student of, uh, of IWS from Nigeria named Emmanuel, which means God with us, who was martyred in inter-tribal warfare. Just this past session, like last week, we had a new student from Ghana named George, who said he came to study worship with us inspired by Emmanuel's willingness to die for the faith. Some deaths are big. Some are small. In, in recent years, I've had to say tacitly to friends who won't darken the door here because they think they can only serve in a church where doctrine is pure, everybody is born again, and probably votes a certain ticket. I've had to tell them, I believe Jesus has called me to something different. 
Now, don't get me wrong. I can't say before God that there's any other way, truth, and life but Jesus. Nor can I say before God that you can do anything with your body that you please. But I can say I believe the only way forward for God's people is patiently studying the same book together, persistently praying side by side, humbly drinking from the same cup of salvation, and purposefully working shoulder to shoulder to experience in worship, embody in community, and extend in mission God's amazing love for the world. Jesus is telling us in today's passage that when we take up his cross, not everybody will necessarily get us anymore because we think, feel, and live differently. But that's okay because, three, your cross, the cross you take up, is his cross, and it's our cross together. He says in verse 40 of Matthew chapter 10, whoever welcomes me, whoever welcomes you, welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me, welcomes the one who sent me. The risk then of rejection by others even of those closest to us, is more than offset by acceptance by him, by the new family that the Godhead is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and by the other so-called rejects, like you and me. As a corollary, Jesus takes everything we do for him, everything we do for him, as being done to him directly. Isn't that amazing? Even the cup of cold water we offer to one of his little ones, he says, you're offering it to me. Think about that. The problems of our world are deep and they are structural, not subject to quick or easy fixes. You know that, right? And at the heart of every one of those problems are fallen and broken people. And maybe all you have to offer is your little cup of water. Jesus says it's enough. Jesus says in so many words, I receive it. Thank you. Now, if your cup of cold water is in the busyness of your day and somebody says, can I... If your cup of water is just stopping and saying, yeah, let me listen. I want to know your story. If that's your cup of cold water, Jesus says, I receive it. Thank you. If your cup of cold water is offering a ride to the store, Jesus says, I receive it. Thank you. If your cup of water is a blanket for the cold winter or a blessing bag, 
on these hot summer days, Jesus says, I receive it. Thank you. Now, later in Matthew, as we'll see later this fall, Jesus will hint that those of us who have taken up our cross will unconsciously find that the cross we have taken up has led us to serve him in the hungry, the imprisoned, the naked, and the sick. And because we have become as much his as he has become ours, he will rejoice to say over us, and we will rejoice to hear him say, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For in the end, brothers and sisters, friends in Christ, while it may be that all we have to offer is a cup of cold water, he offers a banquet. And I invite you in anticipation of the banquet that he offers to receive him in the bread and the wine to hear his voice in our midst as we confess and sing the faith, to bring our prayers and petitions to the Father through him, to share the peace of his presence in our midst, and to ask him to go before us, beside us, beneath us, behind us and within us as we go forth into the world. Amen.